There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France. Which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi. It's more popular than being French. See you in there. My new book, Medgar and Murley, The Love Story That Awakened America, is coming out in just two and a half weeks. I am so excited to share this book with you, and I'm looking forward to seeing all you readers as we take the show on the road. Tickets are on sale now, so be sure to grab yours before they're all gone. I'll be in Philadelphia on Wednesday, February 7th at the First United Methodist Church of Germantown at 7 p.m. Then in Menlo Park, California at Kepler's Books on Friday, February 16th at 7 p.m. And on Saturday, March 2nd, I'll be in one of my favorite cities, New Orleans at Baldwin and Company at 4 p.m. You can go to msnbc.com slash Medgar and Murley to purchase tickets and to see the full tour schedule. Tonight on The Readout. Friends of mine have said, you are the most honest person in the world. So we've done a good job. Don't get credit for it, but that's okay. <laughs> we get our first look at Trump's deposition from the New York civil case. And of course, he's the most honest, smartest, richest, childish president we've ever had, ever, in his own mind. Meanwhile, Trump says there will be bedlam if the Supreme Court doesn't keep him on the ballot. Plus, the right-wing advocacy group Moms for Liberty has become a force in conservative politics by getting books removed from school libraries and by limiting the teaching of race and LGBTQ issues. Tonight, I will be joined right here on set by Tiffany Justice, co-founder of Moms for Liberty. And Nikki Haley doubles down on her claim that America has never, ever, ever, ever been a racist country. After telling Fox, quote, Joy Reid lives in a different America than I do. <laughs> well, alrighty then, Nikki, I will have some thoughts. But we begin tonight awaiting a number of key decisions from various levels of our judicial system that will not only greatly impact the upcoming presidential election, but also our democracy. Donald Trump's lawyers have finally filed their appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court over the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to take Trump's name off of the primary ballot for having engaged in the January 6th insurrection on the U.S. Capitol, violating Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Trump's lawyers claimed, somewhat ironically, that failure to ensure their client's name can appear on election ballots would threaten to disenfranchise tens of millions of Americans and would lead to chaos and bedlam. Funny how his lawyers are sounding more and more like Trump every day. It's bedlam in Washington right now. Bedlam. It's a mess. I've never seen anything like it. If we have to go through four years of this bedlam, of this turmoil with Clinton. There was bedlam. Remember bedlam? It's bedlam and death. Biden supporters are causing mayhem in the streets. If he wins, there will be nothing but bedlam all over the place. It's like bedlam, right? There will be bedlam in the country. The bedlam that's been caused. I think bedlam is Joe Biden. The word of the day is bedlam. Trump just last night sent a pretty direct message to the Supreme Court justices who will hear arguments on this case next month. 
Well, we put on three great justices and you have some other great justices up there and they're not going to take the vote away from the people. I mean, I'm right now you saw in the history of the Iowa primary. I mean, the history of it. It's a long goes back a long time. I won by the most. I'm sure the Supreme Court is going to say we're not going to take the vote away from the people. Also coming to Trump's defense, as his lemmings always do are nearly 180 congressional Republicans, including 42 of the 49 Republican senators, signing on to an amicus brief to the Supreme Court. It includes people like those who were fearfully running for their lives on January 6th, like Mr. Masculinity himself, Josh Hawley of Missouri, as well as some who went as far as to say at the time that Trump was to blame for the very insurrection. Former President Trump's actions preceded the riot for a disgraceful, disgraceful dereliction of duty. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. When it comes to accountability, The president needs to understand that his actions were the problem, not the solution. And speaking of Mitch McConnell, he was also the one who said at the time that while the Senate did not choose to convict Trump following his second impeachment, there were other avenues to hold him accountable. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. As an ordinary citizen, unless the statute of limitations is run, still liable for everything he did while he's in office. Didn't get away with anything yet. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation. And former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one. And to that point, we are still awaiting a decision from the D.C. Court of Appeals over Trump's claim of absolute immunity in his federal election interference trial, which could come at any moment. This is Trump's leading defense that he hopes will be his get out of jail free card for his attempts to overturn the 2020 election that resulted in the January 6th insurrection. Joining me now is Catherine Christian, former Manhattan assistant district attorney and MSNBC legal analyst and Dean Obadala, host of the eponymous Dean Obadala show on Sirius XM. Thank you both for being here. Uh, I, I want to talk about how quickly this process, uh, Catherine, could potentially come to fruition and we could find out whether Donald Trump has this magical uh, total immunity. Let me let you listen to Attorney General Merrick Garland on the question of a speedy trial. The um, um, prosecutions that you're talking about were brought last year, um, and the uh, special prosecutor has uh, said from the beginning uh, that he thinks uh, public interest requires a speedy uh, trial, which I agree with. You agree with that? I do. And uh, the matter is now in the hands of the uh, trial judges to determine when the uh, trials will take place. Your thoughts? How quickly could this uh, get done? Well, some of us were hoping that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals would have their decision today, and that didn't happen. So hopefully it'll be next week on their issue of whether or not um, he has presidential immunity. Most of us lawyers believe that they're going to say, no, you, he could be criminally prosecuted. But then there's the next step that he will get to see if he can get the Supreme Court to take it. And how long will that take? Judge Chuckin said this week that 
you know, basically the, the trial is not going to happen on March 4th, but can it happen in April or May or maybe June? So it's all up in the hands of judges. Um, that's just how it's going to be. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and then the, D, the Supreme Court, if they agree to take the case. Yeah. Uh, let me go to Dean now, who uh, who is, in addition to a great radio uh, guy and a great comedian, also is also a lawyer. I don't know if I'm, I'm telling a tale on you, but you're an attorney, too. But I want to I want to ask you about Mitch McConnell, who who actually said you heard him say it, that Donald Trump is not immune. He said that. Um, I don't know if he's a lawyer or not. Uh, and he also said that there's still a way to hold him accountable, meaning there's criminal and civil uh, litigation that's possible. He apparently has changed his mind about that and has now jumped on this amicus brief, along with other people who were running for their lives on January 6, 2021. Um, now they suddenly say, oh, no, it wasn't an erection. I guess they were jogging when they were running around the Capitol. Your thoughts on that? Joy, I get the sense you're suggesting that Republicans like McConnell might be hypocritical. Is that what you're suggesting? There's hypocrisy by the GOP. That's their currency. We call out their hypocrisy so we don't lose our sanity. That's really it. It doesn't change them. You can't shame the shameless. That's what they're dealing with. The rest of America saw it. And, you know, you have Mitch McConnell, that amicus brief, the Republicans are saying Congress needs to act on banning Trump. To remind people, in the one article impeachment, incitement of insurrection, in it, people go read it. It says Section 3 of the 14th Amendment in that, and they should be banned. And a majority of the House voted for that. And in the Senate, 57 senators, a majority voted yes, he should be banned by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So both chambers of Congress actually did act already. It's remarkable what they're saying. It's pure politics at its worst at the expense of our Constitution and our democratic republic. Uh, absolutely. Well said. Uh, let's go to the civil trial now, uh, the, the civil fraud trial. There's so many trials, Catherine. It's like we have to try to keep, to keep them all straight in our mind, 91 criminal counts. But there's also the civil fraud trial, which is the one that is setting him off uh, mentally and, and seeming to melt him down. Let me play a little bit of his deposition. Here is his deposition, which was taken on April 13th. Uh, and this is him um, claiming. Actually, let's 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 go to the brand first. Let's go to cut three first. This is him trying to defend the overinflation of the value of his properties by touting the value of his brand. Here he is. My most valuable asset. I didn't even include on your statement, and that's the brand. I mean, I became president because of the brand. Okay, I became president. I think it's the hottest brand in the world. If I wanted to uh, show you a good statement, I would have added maybe $10 billion or something for the brand. $10 billion. Is that a good defense, Catherine? No, it's not a good defense, but it will allow the judge, if the judge rules against him when he and issues a $270 million disgorgement, to feel fine because clearly Donald Trump and his company could afford it because he's a billionaire. Um, but his defense at trial was sort of the accountants did it and reasonable minds can disagree about what the value of property is. His lawyers didn't do the, you know, his brand or you know, he was has to stop a nuclear war, so he really wasn't paying attention yeah. to his financial statements. Uh, let me play another uh, piece of this uh, deposition, the civil fraud trial deposition from April 13th. And here he is, Dean, claiming to have saved the world. I'd rarely have anything to do uh, with anything having to do with the company. I wasn't, I really wasn't interested, believe it or not. I was interested in uh, solving the problem with North Korea, which was ready to blow up. I was very busy. I was 
consider this the most important job in the world, saving millions of lives. I think you would have had nuclear holocaust if I didn't deal with North Korea. I think you would have had a nuclear war if I weren't elected. And I think you might have a nuclear war now, if you want to know the truth. Uh, I'm going to give you the opportunity, Dean, to just say thank you. I, exactly. I, I, you know, I've been up until now not as grateful as I should be. Thank you, Donald Trump, for saving us, saving the world. I didn't know that. He's a he's a superhero. He's MAGA man. He's faster than a speeding lie. This guy saved the world. And he talks about saving lives from a nuclear holocaust. First of all, we've never had a nuclear holocaust. There wasn't one during Obama or Bush or Clinton or now during Biden. But what about during COVID? This is a man over 400,000 Americans died because he lied under played COVID saying it was a flu. And then his suggestion was drink bleach or inject yourself with sunlight. So if he really cared about lives, he should have saved our fellow Americans when he had a chance and said over 400,000 died on his watch and thousands died afterwards. So he's no hero in my book. He's a villain and he deserves what I think he's going to get in the next few months. It is remarkable to me still that uh, a million people died on his watch and millions of Americans just look the other way and don't even think he should be held accountable for that and think he should be put back in office. I find that remarkable. Catherine, final question to you. Just I mean, he's already lost this case. Obviously, it's just a matter of the damages. Does him touting that his brand is worth billions, as you said, it makes it sound like he's got plenty of money to give out. How high could this go? Well, the the AG's office were asking for over two hundred and seventy million dollars. So it could go very high. And also remember, he also has that other trial with Jean Carroll about damages. And she's asking for 10 million. Her expert asked for 12 million. So he clearly can afford it if he loses these trials to pay yeah. these images. Uh, yeah, indeed. Maybe he should lend some money to Rudy Giuliani, who clearly cannot, uh, who's also got to pay up big. Uh, Catherine Christian and Dino Badala, thank you both very much. Up next on The Readout, Moms for Liberty co-founder Tiffany Justice joins me to talk about her organization's push to remove books from public school libraries and the debatable wisdom of turning children's education into a political battleground. The Readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. At the heart of America's culture war lies education, and it's a fight that has intensified in recent years alongside Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill, anti-trans laws and campaigns, particularly in Florida, to erase black history. But the single most explosive trend in the education culture war is about books and who exactly gets to remove them or challenge them, who gets to decide what we have access to, what can be taught and what can be read. 
Attempts to ban books have reached a record high, and titles with LGBTQ themes remain top targets. Books about African-American history, too, with stories about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, and Ruby Bridges removed from shelves. Parents, educators, and students are taking sides. And at the center of this fiery debate is Moms for Liberty, a group founded in 2021 that campaigns for book removals in U.S. public schools. And joining me now is Tiffany Justice, co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Thank you for being here. Happy to be here with you, Joy. Great to meet you. So let me, I want to play a, a, a clip. And this is an interview that you gave to Steve Bannon's War Room in 2022, March of 2022. Take a listen. Sure. Walk us through exactly what you're trying to accomplish. And, and, and this definition, it's a new concept. I want to make sure we have the nomenclature. What are parental rights? Parental rights are, are rights that every parent has, and the government does not give them to you, and they cannot take them away. Uh, every parent has the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children, their medical care. That includes mental health, by the way, their education, and their values education, their morals, their religious and character training. All of these things lie uh, within the responsibility of the parent. Now, I want to just make sure, do you still stand by those statements? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So then I guess the question becomes, which parents, right? Do African-American parents parents have have parental rights? Yes, a God-given right to direct the upbringing of your children. Do um, the LGBTQ parents and parents of LGBTQ kids, do they have parental rights? Every parent, Joy. Every parent means every parent has the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children. And liberal parents? Do liberal Um, parents have those rights as well? All parents, Sure. So, so let me let me point you to some statistics, sure. because the question becomes then who gets to decide what all kids get to read. The Washington Post took a look at the uh, that, uh, about a thousand plus book challenges that were filed, and they found that they were filed nationwide by just 11 people. Each of these people brought 10 or more challenges against books in their school district. Together, these serial filers constituted six percent of all book challengers, but they were responsible for 60 percent of filings in Florida, Tampa Bay times. They found that of roughly 1,100 complaints recorded in Florida since July 2022, we're talking about more than 700 just from two counties, Escambia in the Western Panhandle and Clay County. Together, those are less than 3% of the public school enrollment, 600 of those complaints, two people. Why should 13 people get to decide what books tens of thousands of children get to read? Well, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably because those 13 people saw what some of the content was in the books. I mean, explicit, graphic, sexual content. And I'm happy to talk about some of that content if, you, if you'd like to. Well, this is the question again. The books that are being banned, I want to give you just no some... Hold on, no, hold on a second. Well, no, Joy, but I want to be clear. Uh-huh. No one's banning books. Write the book, print the book, publish the book, put the book in the public library, sell the book, right? Uh, we're talking about a public school library. Children mm-hmm. don't have unfettered access to the internet at school. Mm-hmm. I did a, a FOIA records request, and, and, and I wanted to see what kinds of internet sites are banned mm-hmm. in schools, if we're going to talk about banning, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the subject matter in the books that moms are concerned about are the same things that kids don't have access to on the internet. So it, it just feels very hypocritical, right? No, why is no one out there protesting for, you know, free the internet in schools? <laughs> let me let me give you an example of some of the books that have been removed from shelves as a result of the activities of organizations like Moms for not, Liberty. Wait, we're not going to talk like Moms for Liberty. We're going to talk specifically Moms for Liberty. Absolutely. So just, America, I'm happy to have this absolutely. conversation with you, Joel. Absolutely. But we're going to be specific about absolutely. the actions of Moms for Liberty. Chapters. Oh, 100%. Because I can't be 
possibly what? responsible for sure. every single parent but in America. But your organization right? is the lead, you're the leading organization that's doing this. You have chapters all over the country and other organizations are following your lead. And PEN America has listed, they have posted the list of books that have been removed from shelves as a result of these activities. So let me just read you a couple of them. Anne Frank's A Diary of a Young Girl. Mouse, which is a book about the Holocaust, a graphic novel. Gender Queer, a memoir. All Boys Aren't Blue. Beloved, Martin Luther King Jr. and the March on Washington. Ruby Bridges Goes to School. Slaughterhouse-Five, The Color Purple, Forever by Judy Bloom. I could go on. These are books that are not only popular, in some cases are classics. Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Let me give you an example. Well, of I'd, like, I'd like to answer Jordan, your question. Please do. Yeah. yeah. So you just mentioned a list of books. And so yeah. Moms for Liberty doesn't have like a national book list. There was mm-hmm. never a list of books that we put out and said, parents, be concerned about these books, sure. right? We didn't do it because mm-hmm. we want our parents to be effective advocates. Mm-hmm. So when moms are going into the libraries and the schools, when they're seeing what their children have access to, when they go to speak to the superintendent or the principal, they have accurate information, right? They're and where effective are they getting advocates. their information from? You can just go online to a, a catalog in your children's library Correct. and you can see what Without books are reading available. The books. What is no. book, what is, one moment, what is booklooks.com? I, I'm aware of a website called booklooks.com where parents can go and see some of the books that other parents are concerned booklooks. about. Booklooks.com has been used in Florida extensively in counties like, I used to live in Broward County, I lived there for 14 years. Okay. In counties like Broward, counties like Clay, counties like Escambia, Moms for Liberty activists are using booklooks.com. And it's essentially a cliff notes for books. Yeah. So you go through without even having to read the book. I'm going to just hold it up so our audience can see what it looks like. This is the one for All Boys Aren't Blue, which is one of the books Moms for Liberty has Everyone should go and see the content in this book. That's such a good idea. And so what happens is you can do keyword searches and find certain keywords. Like rape? You can find keywords. Yeah, or anal rape or dildo. You can find all sorts of keywords. Those types of words. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait. Let me finish my question. Then you can answer. I'm going to give you time to answer, but I got to ask you first. No, yeah, I got question. And so what you find is the keywords that you find, the Uh N-word, anything, words like you just used, then you'll get out-of-context passages from the book. And then based on that, Moms for Liberty members are going to places like Broward County mm-hmm. School Board meetings, reading out of past, out of context passages from these books, and then demanding that the school board remove them. So what's that the is the way. Yeah. The, the question I'm asking is, what is the expertise that you have and other Moms for Liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book like All Boys Aren't Blue, isn't uh, appropriate for students to read? What, what is your expertise? A, what a tragic story of a young man who's anally raped by his adult family member. So mm-hmm. you have incest, rape, pedophilia. Joy, you said you'd let me answer, so sure. I'm going to answer Please for do. you. Um, in what context is a strap-on dildo acceptable for public school? Just let, I mean, that's my question mm-hmm. to you. Tell me what the context around the strap-on dildo or the rape of a minor child by a teacher. Hold on a second. No, no, no. no. no wait, We're hold talking on. about no, no, public no. school. One, one moment. All right. So now you've asked me questions. Sure. Well, I'm going to answer it. Okay. Well, who is the main character? What's the name of the main character in All Boys Are Blue? You're asking me right now. You just gave me very specific information about this book. So you're presenting yourself as somebody expert. It's the gentleman. Who's the main character in the the book? The main character is the author. What's his name? George, I believe, is his first name. Because you're giving me very specific information that is presenting yourself as an expert. You're asking me to remember the name of an author. You just remembered very specific things. Here's my question. We're talking about strap. You didn't answer my question. No, no, no. I'm going to answer your question. Great. I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, I'm interviewing you and you're not interviewing me. So let's just make sure it's a conversation. Okay, Okay, great. What I'm saying to you is that as you are not an expert in this book, 
I don't or have to be an expert no, 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 to know that dildos aren't one appropriate moment, for public school. I mean, this come on, let's book get real. is a full context story, as you said, of the author's experience. Why is it your right or a Moms for Liberty activist's right to say that a parent who wants their child to have access to this book, which gives a personal experience of this author, that they, the, why doesn't a liberal parent, for instance, or a parent of an LGBTQ kid, why don't they have a right for their child to just have access to this book? Why is it your right to say they can't? So, again, we're talking about incest, rape, and pedophilia. And Boy, each parent, each parent has to decide what is appropriate for their child to read. So I want you to answer. I'm going to ask so you one more a, time. Right. What is your right to tell a parent who wants their child, who might feel seen by this story, why oh don't they gosh. have the right? Why don't they have the right as a parent to say, my child can have access to this book? If a child feels seen by this story, that means that they have been uh, the victim of a predator. That means that they have either been raped by a family member, they, they, they've experienced um And your proof of that is what? You just said that What's if a child feels seen by this story. They, so they they what, make, no, 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 what I'm no, no, saying, no. Joy, You're now making assumptions no, about it. Joy, no, no, But if a Let child give you has an, been raped, we should do a lot better than put a book on a library Now you're literally shelf. creating a story behind a child that you don't know. Let me show you a form. This is a form that can be obtained in Broward County, Florida. Okay. I'm going to show it to the audience, and then I'm going to show it to you. Okay. This is called Can the opt. Yeah, second? please. I'm going to hand it Thank to you. you so much. It's called the opt out form. Okay. An opt out form would allow any parent because you said you are in favor of parental rights. I am. It would allow any parent to opt out of their child being able to take books out of the library without their parents permission. Okay. So that moms for liberty. Why not advocate that every school in America have an opt out form so that a parent who doesn't want their child to access a book like All Boys Aren't Blue. Right. That they can make that choice because then each parent, including a liberal parent, a black parent, a parent who wants their child to read a book about African-American history. We, they want, get all, their we want children to read books. Why not just opt history, out so. for yourself rather than tell other parents what they can and sure. cannot. First of all, I think what you're talking about here is a wonderful step in the right direction. Um, we should be having conversations about this. This is about local control. Mm-hmm. A lot of these decisions are made at, made at the local school board level. Mm-hmm. And that's where these decisions should be made. And there should be vibrant conversations sure. about what's happening in our public schools and what kids have access to. Joy, however, mm-hmm. maybe we could just put all the books with all the graphic sexual content. The dildos, You're not the just, rape, the incest. I'm sorry. Let's do I'm a, so sorry. Let's do excuse a back me, room. Excuse me. Let's excuse put me, a curtain up me. in the library First of all, like they used hold to on. do. One moment. The video one moment. Stores. Remember the when we were little moms and you the video The books that moms for and they liberty. put those the books, books that moms for liberty with pornography I know that you, I, I've seen, we can just do that. In I have seen library. tapes of what Moms for Liberty does, and you all go into school board meetings Joy, and you read graphic stuff. Genuine conversation. No, it's not. There is a, there's America Je- used to understand that there was beloved, something called age appropriate content. Right, and here's my we question again. Uh, again, on movies. again, again. Ruby Bridges Goes to School is on the list of books that Moms for Liberty has attempted absolutely, to have removed. Absolutely it not. It absolutely is. Let me ask about the people who are making the decision for their parents, because you have not answered yet why a liberal parent or an African-American parent. We have parents my, who are Democrats no, no, no. who are members One of moment, our organization. But you're still trying to make decisions for all the kids. Here are some of the parents that are filing uh, or some of the, the, the your advocates. Mm-hmm. Bridget Ziegler. The Moms for Liberty co-founder, the wife of the recently ousted Florida Republican Party chairman, Christian Ziegler, who allegedly was involved in threesomes, same-sex threesomes. Um, Mrs. Ziegler was a, was removed from the school board at which she was a leader. Um, you've had she wasn't Lauren, removed from moment. the school board. Okay, you have Lauren DePaula. 
Um, she was making book ban requests in Alachua County, but then records show that she and her husband didn't live there. They'd sold their home in that county. Carrie Blair in Tennessee, who was um, arrested for property theft charges after allegedly stealing from Target, skip scanning in Target. Why should those three people get to make decisions about what other children should be able to read? Other t- parents' children should be able to read. Do you know that I served as a school board member from 2016 to Are you going to answer my question? Yeah, I'm because going we don't to. have an endless time. Joy, I'm going to answer your question, but Mm -hmm. I need you to understand that when I was an elected representative, I would sit on that dais. Mm -hmm. And how dare I, sitting there as an elected representative, judge a parent when they would come to the podium to speak and advocate for their child? Because as we started this conversation, Mm -hmm. we'll end it. Every parent has a fundamental and right so to direct parent, the upbringing of the so children. Let's make and sure I would not we can stand in judgment, about a parent's education level, their sexual orientation, their race, their if religion. A parent, that is ma- not what America Justice, is about. I'm going to answer. I'm going to ask my question, yes, Ms. Ma'am. Justice. Mrs. Justice, that's Thank fine. you. If a parent believes that their child should be able to read Ruby Bridges... Uh, we child. believe that parents, okay. that children should be able to read. Then Bridget how Bridges. can She's Moms American for Liberty hero. insist that the school board take that book away and then say that a parent who wants the child to be able to read it must purchase it? That's essentially putting a tax on parents who want their children to read the book. Your kids get to have books for free that you agree with. But children who want to read or parents who want their children to read books you don't like have to purchase it. That doesn't sound Joy, fair. Did you know that in the city that we're sitting in? Only a quarter of children are reading on grade level. That's a great point. Grade. That's a great point. And so Let while me, we're having point. this conversation that's about books point. and libraries, that's two a great things point. should be happening. That's a great point. We should be talking about literacy rates and the fact that America's kids are not learning how to read. And we should be having vibrant conversations about what books should be in libraries. Absolutely. And let me uh, let me add one more point here. In Florida, the the law states that if a Moms for Liberty or other advocate demands that a book be removed then a process in each of those counties has to begin. The sometimes three and four people, person staffs were being inundated with moms that for liberty requests. It is true. I have, I've literally oh, spoken joy. with people okay. in these organizations. Well, so I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish my, okay. my thought. Go ahead. Were they not having to go through, and they actually have to read the full book to make a decision as to whether to make a recommendation for the book to be banned. Were they not doing that? What they would be doing is literacy education. No, they would, what they would be doing is literacy education. That is what they're not doing okay. because they're spending time on your book ban request. And this is absolutely ridiculous. But argument. it's true. But it's not, Joy, because school districts do lots of things very, very well with at the very same little, time. With very and little funding. And, and, the pro- little and, and you, bring, you actually make a great point mm-hmm. because there was no vetting process for a lot of these materials. And in the what library. is the so expertise not- of Moms for Liberty to do the vetting? Oh my gosh, normally well, we what a school read. board would do, you were on a school board, you would hire experts and have experts voices come in parents and they are the people who are sociologists, kids. people That's who are library parents. science, parents are the and best those are the people who make decisions. Kids. One more thing in Florida uh, versus New York, New York spends about $26,000 per student, 40,000, 26,000. And in Florida, it's about $10,000. So we're talking about much less money. The requirement to, the, in some of these schools, they don't even have a school librarian because the school yeah, actually doesn't have I enough know. money. Isn't that They're awful? instead of spending their time no joy going through your book bans they could actually be focusing on hiring library science technicians we who don't can have actually a funding do problem the job in american public education we have a priorities problem and the priorities ought to be that a each program. parent including liberal parents should be able to make their own decisions about what their children Amen. read. i think, I think we, we can agree, agree on that then i think that moms for should not be making those decisions for them on their behalf but okay. tiffany justice thank you for being here and thank you for having me we'll be right back 
Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, consoling. Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Joining me now, Ali Velshi, MSNBC chief correspondent and host of Velshi Weekends at 10 a.m. on MSNBC, and Susan Del Percio, Republican strategist and MSNBC political analyst, and more importantly, both my friends. I'm going to start with you, Ali. Uh, I know you guys had a chance to listen to that conversation. I took notes. I've never taken Justice. a note on an interview <laughs> in my life, but that was so much to keep up with there. What did, what did you take? Well, I think there are a few things. Uh, one is that there was some talk about George M. Johnson, who, who wrote uh, I will note that Ms. Justice did not know his name. She knew yes. all sorts yeah, of things she knew, about. She, she liked to say the word Deldo, Deldo and said that a lot. Um, but the, the fact is, George M. Johnson, uh, this is a book about George M. Johnson. Some of these books are, are autobiographical. Some of them are not. Some of the key books that have been banned, Lori Hulls Anderson's Speak, um, Perks of Being a Wallflower yes. by Stephen Jabosky. My kids read that. They have similar themes in them. Some of them are sexual. Some of them are not. But they are experiential. They're real books. And kids see themselves in these books, number one. And that does save lives. Yeah. So when your guest says, when a child has been raped, we should do a lot better than a book, sometimes the book is the lifesaver, number one. Number two, how about all those kids who haven't been raped? How about those of us who don't grow up with these experiences in black households, in poor households, in Hispanic households, in 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 in, in gay relationships? The, these are the way in which we tell people's stories, right? You learn other people's stories. We started the book club because of 1619 Project, mm -hmm. because people just objected to this idea that this new date that had been introduced by Nicole Hannah-Jones somehow obscured or, or, or blanked out what they thought their history was. Yeah. To most thinking humans, it's just another data point. So this idea that these books are just pushed back because people don't want this idea of learning other people's stories to be out there. It's just, to, it's disingenuous to call it all about sex. Kids know all about sex. Kids have always known all about sex. In fact, if there's anything to do, it's do a better job ensuring that kids get proper sex education That's because right. the, the correlation is mm -hmm. is direct. If kids get proper sex education, they have safer sex lives. They 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 don't get pregnant as early. Yeah. Things like that happen. So I, I think this was uh, I, I'm grateful you had the conversation. Yeah. But the folks who are banning books are misguided. And the thing about it is I, I never got an answer to what I think is the fundamental question. Right. Is 
if she agreed with me, Ms. Justice did agree with me that black parents and LGBTQ parents yes. and parents of LGBTQ kids and Asian American parents all have parental rights. But she didn't answer why 13 people get to make the decision about what those parents kids can want because they're not just making decisions about their own. I handed her the opt out form. They could easily yeah. fight to say, I don't want my kids taking books out of the library, but you let your kids take out what they want. And that I thought was so powerful, Joy, because it is about if you don't want your children being able to take out those books. OK, yeah. yeah. Okay, but you don't have a right to tell everybody else what they can and cannot read. And that's really what was so shocking to me is how she really wouldn't even address that issue. Because what's a library for if not to learn? Whether it's to learn about something maybe an individual is going through or what others have gone through. Right. To develop empathy. To develop empathy. empathy, To to learn. And the thing about it is that so sort of, you know, she was saying, well, buy the book. Well, first of all, that's imposing a tax yes. on people who don't have A lot have of the parents income. cannot afford to buy but the you know, number of but, books that you need to buy. But, but to be fair, this one point is, is that we do elect people. We do have people at school boards. There are communities that do get to decide certain things for yes. the school. What but they, you what, have experts that can I agree, and that's the point that you brought up. I'm not so hooked on that there's a small group of people do, you know, implementing policy as much as I am that they're not adequately prepared or the and that they're ideological. I think the Correct. other issue I have because, is that they're, they're yeah. firmly ideological. And because then, it's about what they want you to read. And exactly. I think you guys talked Control. about it. Control. It wasn't just about sex. It's about do you want to learn history? Do you right. want to use African-American right. history? Right. Do you All want to learn things. about the Holocaust? They don't want certain things in their kids' lives. They and don't in any want kids' it, lives. Any, but <laughs> right. they don't want it to enter. Yeah. And— the point is, is that it's supposed to be there. You want to try and shelter your kid all you want, opt out or homeschool. Yes. But do not do this. Well, you can also just kids. choose to not have your kid take the book out. The, right. Librarians yeah, tell me this all the time. Most librarians have master's degrees, first yes, of all. They're very sophisticated right. at, at, at this. And and librarians themselves had said have said to me about this, please don't give me this power. Do not give. I am yeah. the state. For all intents and yes. purposes, your school library and your public right. library is the state. And the school is the state. Do not give the state the power. For, let's just be, take a very ideologically conservative view of this thing, which yeah. most of these book banners are. The state doesn't get to decide what your child reads. You get to decide That's what right. your child reads. That's so when right. you ban books, you have given the state the right to decide what your child reads. And, That's dangerous. And also, I think you've taken away kind of the joy. I mean, I can remember my mom unleashing my sister, brother, and I in the library right. where we could yeah. take any book we wanted. The power we felt of being yeah. able to come with this big stack yes. of books that she didn't have the money to buy. And that she didn't have to buy. And then we could turn them back in. And we had the responsibility of filling out the little thing to say it was ours for that little short period of time. That's a power you're giving kids. They're not just going after the libraries in schools. They're going after library yes. libraries, yes, too. they absolutely are. They're taking that joy of discovery In North Dakota, they're away. going after children's sections. You know, my, fa- my parents grew up in apartheid South Africa. And one of the first things my dad did after one of my first Velshi Band book clubs yeah. is he said until he left South Africa at the age of 25, he didn't know there were public libraries. There you go. Because they were controlling who read what. Who read what. And that is the power that these yeah. small group of people think that they can take from everyone else. Well, alliances aren't going anywhere. Because up next, the White House laces up its running shoes for another victory lap as soaring consumer confidence adds another win to their economic scorecard. We'll be right back. Okay. 
Okay, on this show yesterday, we told you about Republican psyops trying to influence the public state of mind to produce a specific point of view. Today, we're going to talk about their efforts to convince you that the economy under President Biden is collapsing and that only they can fix it. But here's the thing. If you actually take a step back, the U.S. economy is strong and we have averted the much dreaded recession. We've had 36 months of job growth, the longest stretch of unemployment reduction since the late 1960s, and wage growth is now outpacing inflation. That's the big picture, macroeconomic data that Republicans refuse to talk about. Then there are the microeconomic specifics, which beyond the numbers could directly impact you. The Biden administration has has unveiled a new plan to limit those annoying and costly bank overdraft fees that hit you when your account gets overdrawn even by a little. The new rule would limit the fees to as little as $3, which would potentially eliminate billions of dollars in revenue for the nation's biggest banks, which might explain why Jamie Dimon, the CEO, J.P. Morgan Chase, is praising Trump. That's not all. Today, the White House announced yet another round of student loan forgiveness, $4.9 billion worth, helping nearly 74,000 public servants, including teachers, firefighters and nurses. To date, the Biden administration has canceled more than $136 billion in student debt for more than 3.7 million Americans. More good news for the president. Consumer sentiment is on the rise, with the biggest two-month jump in positive economic outlook since 1991. Back with me, Ali Velshi and Susan Percio. Ali, up to you, because it's it's interesting the disconnect. Totally right. But you made your first point was the most important. Wage increases are now outpacing inflation, which wasn't the case for a couple of years. And it takes a little while for people to register that, to understand that wage increases mean a couple of things. It doesn't mean that everybody's wage is going up. It means there are jobs available. Mm -hmm. There are 1.3 jobs for everybody who doesn't have a job Mm -hmm. right now. They're not fully matched to each other, but you have options. A lot of workers have options, and that makes them feel better about the economy. Then they see prices coming down. I I will say this. Food inflation is the thing most people complain about. Inflation in food has fallen the most but you don't feel it because the egg is not less money than it was three years that's ago. Right. It's just not going up right. at that price. So so that's why this is complicated. We haven't had inflation for 40 plus years in this country. We're yeah. just not used to it. And it's very upsetting. But with wage growth, uh, growth outpacing inflation, and then you add those other things, another stock market record again today. Yeah. If Donald Trump were president, you'd see 20 <laughs> tweets with spelling errors uh, in, <laughs> in all caps about it. Right? <laughs> the stock market hits record after record. Yeah. Home prices are up. Uh, interest rates are still high. That's a problem for people trying to get a loan, but it's not for people who've been saving money, who weren't weren't able to make any money on their money. So there's a lot of good things happening in the economy. what what this administration or this campaign has to decide is where they lean into, because right now the thing to, thing to lean into is the fact that democracy is yeah. uh, at stake. The world is in great sure. danger. We need to help uh, other countries that are at war. But this economy thing, which is what most people vote on, is strong. It's strong. And the thing about it is for, for Biden, the irony for him, right? Number one, first of all, it's a kept promise, right? Yes. Yeah. He did promise he was going to do the overdraft check. Yes. He did say he was going to do student loan yep. and he got, you know, thwarted by the Supreme Court for a while, but then he's done it in a large extent. Um, but the most economically insecure people are also in his base. It's younger people. It's people who can't afford rent and things like that. But on the Republican side, they're literally rooting for a recession. Mm-hmm. It's clear they need a recession in order to beat him. 
Trump said he wants the, the economy to crash. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. Wow. I'm not, I'm not make it crash. And I'm not that would know, normally paraphrasing. be disqualifying. <laughs> yes. But here's, I mean, this is one of the issues I think the administration um, probably mishandled or misplayed, is that when you fight inflation, it doesn't mean that just because inflation's going down, the prices automatically Correct. come down. They're right. not— Related, right. now, they're a little related, but they're not a. Comp- they're not something that people feel like. If inflation's still there, then my prices are still up. Yeah. Now on the junk fees, he he also did it with airline fees. Yes. After that, this is something I'm a little obsessed with because I think it's great policy and great politics. Because what he should be saying, I think, is and this goes to younger people and and the future, is say. I got rid of the junk fees for airlines. I'm getting rid of bank fees. And my next term, I'm going to do one, two, and three, because that's what we need. We need the future on some of these things. Let me very quickly play Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley responding to me. First, here's a part one. Uh Uh-oh. Or not. <laughs> the U.S. stock market continues to hit record high after record high. Um, you're looking at a fresh 300-point uh, gain on the Dow right now, hitting its highs. Of- <laughs> That's not- okay, not in it. We're going to try it again. Here we go. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Okay, well, we, we won't. Let, 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 let me just, uh, oh, wait, no? Yes? No? Okay. I'm going to go to you, Allie, because yeah. she apparently was responding to me, mm-hmm. saying she and I live in two different worlds. Here's the irony. We're both the children of immigrants. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I grew up in South Carolina, but I grew up in Denver, Colorado. I was born in Brooklyn. He's, you know, he's, right. he's flat, but I grew up in Denver, Colorado. We ain't really that different. Right. I just have come through my life and been able to figure out that America was born as a slave republic, and right. therefore it is a, it was born as a racist country. I mean, Yeah, we didn't. You know, this is... This, one Maybe because think, you got to go to a library. <laughs> one would think, and, and other countries have done this. Germany did this after after the Holocaust. They had a real reckoning mm-hmm. about what happened. And I think what gets lost in our history is the fact that we actually didn't. We no. sort of said at the end of the Civil War, that ah, kind of sucks. You guys lost, but, you know, it's going to be fine. Right. And and right. we never had that reckoning. Uh, black people left the South in the Great Migration because of economic opportunity. But at no point did we actually fully say yeah. the flags come down, the statues don't go up, stuff like that. That stuff is over. Didn't I, work. You know what's so ironic? The group that has essentially policed the way we talk about our past and that ruined our ability to have the reckoning is the older version of Moms for Liberty called the Daughters of the Confederacy. They're the earlier iteration of that exact same thing. Allie Belshi, Susan Belpersia. We should do this more. That was fun. I'll be right back. (laughs) That's it. That's all we got. That's tonight's readout. (laughs) Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. 
That's netsuite.com slash podcast 25.